Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. gentlemen fanatics of all ages welcome to another episode of philly's therapy where we got exactly what we wanted didn't we we wanted to have a good final homestand we wanted to go at least 500 against a couple of good teams well guess what we did well then why does it feel like we just received our present with holes in its wrapping it's covered in tissue paper something about what this team does when we get what we ask of them just doesn't really feel quite right, does it? Anyway, hi there. I'm Paul Boyer. This is Phillies Therapy. Uh, the Phillies are still in playoff position as we sit here on Monday morning with the team at 83 and 69. You know, Matt Gale, the Athletic Philadelphia, there were a couple of, of opportunities in this series with the Atlanta Braves in particular where the Phillies really seemed like they could have seized a winning series. They could have gone three and one. Heck, if you really want to stretch it, maybe think that Saturday's game goes a different way. You could you could think about them being in contention for a sweep, but we'll we'll say three and one. They let Sunday's game get away in and in typical fashion, it was drawn out in the most excruciating way possible with a two and a half hour rain delay, three hour rain delay, only to give it up in extra innings and squander opportunities and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, the Phillies are still basically in the same position that they have been in the last few weeks we've been doing this. They are more than a game up for a playoff spot. They're hanging in there. But there are cracks. There are things to, I guess, worry about. But not necessarily be fatalistic about. And Matt, as you get ready for this very, very long season-ending road trip and possibly beyond, what sticks out to you about the way this homestand wrapped up? And what really feels like I guess, exposed about this team or maybe a new learning that we can come away from this, this Atlanta and, and Toronto quick hitter to wrap up uh, uh, the, the home schedule. And, and what can we look forward to now as the team hits the road and goes out to Wrigley that um, might help change our minds about <laughs> whether this team can actually hold on still? It's a lot of questions. Yeah. That, I, well, I kind of jumbled those together, didn't I? I mean, they they crossed six more days off the calendar, like and I know that and that's like, what it's down seem, to at this point, right? Yeah, I mean I know it doesn't seem like like you you said it perfectly. Like they are like they're right about where they've been for a while now, and like if they finish the season where they are right now, they're in the playoffs, and it's not it might not be like the most uh, exciting way to get in, but they're just trying to survive in advance right now. Cross off another day off the calendar, still in postseason position. Uh, do you want to back in? No. Are they going to back in? I, I don't think so. I mean, there's there's yeah. a great opportunity ahead of them here on this trip. They're going to face two bad teams. They're going to face an Astros team that has zero incentive to win, uh, to try to push their guys. Uh, and I don't expect they will. So mm. great opportunity in front of them here. 
and I thought that was really Kyle Schwarber after the game on Sunday. Uh, it was a disappointing loss. It could have been a four and two homestand. It could have been a series win against the Braves. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and, and there's, you know, there can be a lot of doom and gloom, but I love the way Schwarber looks at it. And he's a guy who has experienced postseason. He's, he's seen a championship. He's seen a lot of different things. He's like, this should be exciting. This should be fun. Like, this is what you play for, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, think about all the guys in that clubhouse who have never experienced uh, what it's like to to make the postseason and play in the postseason. And this is what you this is what you build your professional career around. Like you you think of the and dream of these moments, and here it is right in front of them for the taking. Uh, it should be exciting. Like it should be fun. And I think them going on the road is, is really good. Like, I think getting away from home, getting away from distractions, get away from maybe like a little bit of the negative energy and sort of the just like so-so vibe at the ballpark, I think it's good. Like, I think it's going to benefit them. Like, go on the road, take care of business, and get in and see what happens. And it begins at Wrigley Field on Tuesday uh, with Zach Wheeler on the mound, and then Aaron Knoll is going to pitch after him. They they shuffled the rotation, which makes a ton of sense, and, and actually – it puts them in great position here. Uh, even if they haven't clinched going into Houston, the, the, the pitching isn't going to get totally messed up. Now you want to mm. clinch sooner rather than later. Sure. But uh, this is going to be a, this is a bizarre situation. I mean, leaving the ballpark yesterday felt so weird to me. Uh, I've never had that feeling before. Um, so much is undecided. The Phillies, you know, yesterday leaving, they could have been back, you know, they could be back in now 18 days for NLDS game three. Or they yeah. could be back in April 6, 2023 for the home opener against the Cincinnati Reds. And it's a tr- it was a truly bizarre feeling. And the Phillies packed for a trip that I- I've never seen a trip like this. I mean, I, I'm not leaving until tomorrow morning. I'm flying out to Chicago tomorrow morning. I'm trying to save her as much time as I can at home. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to pack Paul for a trip that, uh, you know, could be 17 days for me. It could be, you know, packing for 48 degrees in Chicago, uh, tropical storm in Washington, uh, 85 degrees in Houston and then either St. Louis, New York, or Atlanta. And then after that, maybe LA, I like, I've never really, hmm. uh, seen anything like this and, and neither have many of the players. And, uh, I think though that it's a, it's a fun and, and, and unique challenge for them. Uh, and I don't know, I mean, it's going to be very much, I wrote in the athletic today. I mean, I think it is a franchise, uh, a, a franchise altering trip here. I mean, think hmm. about, think about if they don't, Think about if they somehow blow this, which I do not think oh, they boy. will. But think about what think about they do. Think about all yeah. the ripple effects if they if they if they blow it. Oh boy, yeah, you're right. You you are right. I, I I've been kind of committing to the bit the last few weeks and just trying to really stay up about everything. And there's plenty of reason to stay up. It, it hasn't been hard, but there is that other side of things, and it's not as if they are so secure in their position that you can't at least acknowledge. Yeah, okay, right. that specter is hanging out there for sure. Um. Yes, things would be if you're if you're rooting for chaos out there, if you if you either a don't like the Phillies, which thank you for listening, or if you're just, you know, really into things going nuts, you probably want to see this team fall apart because if they do, yeah, I I can't even picture I can't I cannot fathom what might happen, not just with moves, either with personnel or with players or anything like that, but just the 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 fan bases I ideas of this team in general might never recover. And I think you, you brought up an interesting point about uh, getting away from home, which is it's 
maybe not exactly what you want to have, have happen, you know, with your baseball team. And the Phillies, they played well at home throughout the year. You know, they finished above 500, et cetera, et cetera. Even if they fell a little flat these last two games, you know, I, I, by and large, they still play well at home. But I think you're right. There's a feeling that is just sort of hanging out there just beyond, you know, the confines of the park. You know, that darkness on the edge of town sort of thing. Like, it's just, they haven't been able to really shake that that cloud, that looming specter, that that feeling that what could go wrong will go wrong. Correct. You know, that's the hard thing to shake because it's a really, it's an intangible thing. You can't quantify this feeling. All, all of us feel it. Like, even me being as positive as I've tried to be, like, you, it's there. It's there, and you wonder about it. You think about it. You can push it to the side, or you can you can dwell on it. Um, but it's funny, you know. I'm I'm looking back now, thinking about how they're going to Chicago and, and remembering and refreshing my memory of when when the Cubs came to Philly back in late July and how badly that went. You know, Garrett Stubbs on the mound, David Robertson picking up a win and a save in the series for the Cubs, got swept, outscored big time. It's a completely different, you know, situation. I thought you were going to say you're thinking about Wrigley Field and you're going to think about Adam Morgan giving up a walk-off homer to Jason Hayward. Well, yeah, there's the Jason Hayward thing, which spoiled Dylan Cousins' first and I think only major league home run, which was kind of a bummer. Um, That's a strong memory you have there. I do not remember that. I just remember the home run. For the most random crap, you know, yeah, Dylan Cousins, I think he sliced a a real low liner to left field or something like that game, whatever. Anyway, but that's, that's the point, right? Even right now, this dichotomy that we have, we we do tend to remember more strongly, maybe it's because they're more dramatic, when things go wrong. And in this case, if things do go wrong, this would this might be the most dramatic of all. It really might be. And I don't know how you recover from this if it happens. There is no coming back from this. Ugly. There isn't. Like if they blow this, there's no coming back from it. And, and again, I don't think they're going to like, right, I, I, right, I, right. I, I think they're in a really good spot. I think, I think they're fine. Um, there's, there's no coming back from this. If you, if you blow this, there's not. So here's, here's, here's the question that do they, do they have the gas to make it? Because it looks like, you know, the pitching is they're, they're walking more guys, you know, the, there's a little bit of focus on how David Robertson is throwing, um, you know, two of the five starting rotation spots aren't going deep into games and or are, are piggybacks. So maybe you can say three out of five, although that might be changing with Wheeler sooner than later, you hope. Uh, can they make it? Not just with the rotation too, but with the lineups that they're throwing out there with, you know, Nick Castellanos potentially coming back during the Chicago series. And will that provide a lift? Do, do they Do they seem like they have the energy to make it across the finish line here? I actually thought like the last two days of the Braves series were encouraging from a bullpen standpoint. And mm. I know that sounds weird because someday the, the bullpen blew it. Right. Um, how about Zach Eflin, Paul? Mm-hmm. I mean, he he's pitched four out of the last six days. You know, they had the off day today, Monday. Um, I, I, I don't think he'll pitch Tuesday. I think they I need, need to back off him a little bit. But okay. he pitched on back-to-back days for the first time in his life uh, on Saturday and Sunday. And he threw a total of 21 pitches. He looks strong. He looks strong. I mean, he he looks like he's done this his whole life, this relieving yeah. role. And look, he's always been a competitor. Like, you, when you look at Zach Eflin, you're like, he's always, you know you're going to get his best effort all the time, you mm-hmm. know, when he's out there. And, I mean, what a, 
you know, what, what a, what a boost this could be to this team. Uh, I mean, because what, what we've been talking about all along, Paul, is that we know there's six best pitchers, right? And we're trying to figure out who else would they trust or use in a three game wild card series. And clearly, mm-hmm. clearly Zach Eflin is on that list now. I he would is think now so. this, you know, this, the seventh guy, mm. um, he, he is the, you know, right there in the bullpen mix in the late innings. Um, now they need more than seven probably in that three game series, but seven, it's a, it's a pretty solid, uh, group they have. I mean, I think Aaron Nola and Ranger Suarez's last few outings have been really encouraging. Suarez yeah. in particular. I mean, Suarez has been throwing the ball really well. Uh, has really seemed like he's kind of come on over the hump. You know, uh, he had that, that that little stretch there about three weeks where he just um, did not look like himself and would lose his command, you know, just in the middle of games wildly. Um, he, he seems to have gotten over that and uh, is, is an important piece for them moving forward. Uh, Nola has had a really solid month. Yeah. You know, really solid. And uh, he, he's done everything they could ask. And they flip flop him now, so Nola's going to pitch on regular rest uh, on Wednesday, and that would allow him to pitch on regular rest in Game 160. And, and I asked Rob Thompson, like, if you've clinched before one Game 160, which is the first day in Houston, will Nola still pitch? And he said yes. But, you know, it would probably be like a two-inning or three-inning start, right, uh, if they've already clinched uh, because they don't want him to go, you know, too long between outings. So, it's essentially like a, 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 a glorified bullpen session if he pitches two innings in game 160, and that allows him to pitch game two of the postseason on regular rest as well. So they're, they're, they're in a really good spot with the rotation. You know, would you like to clinch sooner rather than later so Nola doesn't have to throw 100 pitches in game 160, high-stress pitches? Yes, of course. Sure. You know, of course. But they, they're at a point where they don't have to pitch anyone on short rest. They don't have to move guys around. Like, they're... They're at a point where the rotation is in a decent spot, uh, even if they, you know, pu- kick this can down the road as long as they want, and they probably will because of the Phillies. Uh, <laughs> yep. The bullpen, on the other hand, man, I mean, you wanna you wanna clinch sooner rather than later for the bullpen, sure, because you really don't want to have to use your guys in Houston. You want to try to give them some some rest. You really do. You know, maybe each guy gets one outing right in Houston as kind of like a tune up. And then, hey, buddy, we're going to, you know, get ready to pitch three days in a row in that wild card weekend uh, because we, we might need, you You know, Dominguez, Alvarado, Robertson, F1. You know, they haven't, you know, these guys haven't pitched on three days straight, you know, all season. Robertson has done it once. Yeah. But uh, they're going to, they're going to have to in that series, most right. likely. Right. Uh, so, you know, one outing for each of you is a tune up in Houston and get ready, you know, because we're about to ride you. That, that would be ideal. Uh, are they, are they going to clinch it before Houston? I, I don't know. <laughs> um, I, I think they get it done in DC, but you know, we, 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 they're the Phillies. We don't know. And, you know, we're looking for those other guys to step up. Brad hands, you know, probably done for the season. Um, f- funny, right? I mean, they spent $22 million on three veteran relievers, uh, before the season. And, uh, they're, they're probably going to carry none of them in yep. the playoffs. Canable, yep. Familia hand. Mm-hmm. And uh, they got to do better this off season uh, in, in spending that money. And, and they do. Yep. The, 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 you know, the idea was great. You know, find three guys on one year deals. Yeah. You know, guys that you like for for certain reasons. You know, whatever your evaluation process is, uh, and and see what happens. Roll the dice. If you hit on two out of them, two out of three, great. One out of three, okay. Zero out of three, uh. yeah. <laughs> and like, <laughs> not so know, great. Not great. Uh, those investments could have been better. Uh, you know, Dave Dombrowski has never been great at building a bullpen. It's always kind of been his blind spot. Um, 
But think about that. I mean, here we are, uh, 10, day, 10 games left in the season, and you know the three guys they spent $22 million on are not in the picture at all. And still they have a bullpen that is mostly functional. And mostly <laughs> yeah, functional. Yeah, mostly. And that's a credit to Jose Alvarado, who's been yes, maybe it is. one of the best relievers in baseball for the last two, three months. Yeah. Dominguez, you know, I thought his his outing over the weekend was really encouraging. Like it just it looked better, you know, back back to back games, Saturday and Sunday, better, just better command. Um, you know, only thirty one pitches total in those two games. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Really, really solid. Looked better. Um Chris Devensky, I think, is going to get some spots here. Uh, he he's on the roster now. Uh, mm-hmm. He signed a minor league contract right before September first, so he is postseason eligible. Uh, he he's interesting because he had Tommy John surgery June second, twenty twenty one, and he got back to the major leagues uh, with Arizona uh, near the end of July twenty twenty two. He was yeah, only like a, thirteen months removed from Tommy that's John. Quick, yep. And he, I talked to him for a little bit yesterday, and he's like, I just wasn't ready. And, like, I could feel my arm coming back as soon as I got DFA'd. And in the minor leagues, the reports were really good, and not just the numbers. Like, the reports on his stuff were, were really good. And, uh, look, he's always been known for that changeup. Uh, he's right-handed. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he does well against lefties. And right now, Paul, they have one lefty in the bullpen, and that's right. Alvarado. And you're not right. going to use him in, like, a left-on-left, like, matchup spot because he's one of your best relievers, and, like, you need him for the end of the game. So... Devensky, I think on this road trip is going to get some big spots, especially if there's a patch of lefties. Like he's going to get some big spots, and uh, who knows? I mean, the guy's pitching a ton of playoff games. Uh, he was once traded for Brent Myers, which is a weird, weird, you know, claim to Philly's past. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He was a player to be named later when uh, Houston traded Brent Myers to, to the White, White Sox. Sox. Yeah. I mean, years ago. Yeah. Um, so who knows? Um, but do they have enough? I don't know um there's only one more kyle gibson start this year like that's probably a good thing um you know they have this double header coming up you know tropical storm pending you know who knows the, the, the weekend in dc is going to be insane i mean if the forecast holds uh it could be really interesting i don't know how they would play these games if it's raining the entire weekend there's no room to reschedule them it's kind of a mess potentially a mess um they want Syndergaard to start one of those doubleheader games. They also want Syndergaard to back up Wheeler Tuesday night and, and Wrigley the, in the opener. Now, mm. if Wheeler pitches, you know, is efficient and gets to six innings, maybe they just save Syndergaard. And that's an option. Like Syndergaard, if he doesn't pitch Tuesday night, uh, you'll probably see him in the bullpen late in the game throwing uh, throwing in the bullpen just like as a, as a heavy bullpen, like a, a side loose. session. Yeah. yeah, because then he's going to pitch one of those games Saturday in D.C., uh, now, even if he pitches Tuesday night and, and pitches like two innings in relief, he's still going to start Saturday on three days rest. Uh, and it'll probably be, you know, again, a shorter start, maybe like three or four innings. Hmm. They've talked to him about it. He's okay with it. He's never really done this. Um, they they don't have many other options. Man. They'll get a they'll get a 29th man for that doubleheader. You know, hint, hint, Chris Sanchez. Chris Sanchez, I yeah. yeah. I was going to say. <laughs> so maybe Sanchez, Sanchez comes in behind Syndergaard, right? Syndergaard yeah. goes through the lineup once nine batters and then Sanchez comes in after him nine batters um again you know you get to this point in the year and you're just trying to figure out maybe they clinch it in the first game of that doubleheader and nothing matters in the second game of the doubleheader and everyone is just hung over and playing drunk I don't know but uh <laughs> it is a split doubleheader so there'll be a lot of time between games to drink uh <laughs> so I, I don't know um <laughs> how crazy would that be right they, they would have to probably not celebrate until after the second game right I well, 
maybe I don't know. Like, <laughs> that's a good question. I would be, I would be very interested in seeing uh, how everybody comes out for that second game. If that's how it goes. I, I, the doubleheader portion of this being right in the middle of what's remaining is is really peak weirdness, right? Yeah, man. It's it's really got the wheels turning because I'm looking at this and I'm like, okay, so we have the three games in Chicago Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Roll on into Washington. The doubleheader is Saturday, and then there are four games left. So, like you were saying, Kyle Gibson expected to make one of those doubleheader starts would not have a full rest schedule ahead for the potential game 162 that he would otherwise be lined up for if all of these games were spread out. No, no, no. Falter starts 162. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Not that you could really, you couldn't, could you put Kyle Gibson out there if that game mattered anyway? Oh my God. No. Like what? (laughs) Are we at the point where we would really have to have that conversation? Um, No. I mean, the, the, the hope might. Yeah. Yeah, so let's let's leave that. That's a that's a real early look at what we might be talking about this time. Game one sixty two is probably like, oh my! I mean, my God! I mean, if if one sixty two matters, you know, <laughs> you're looking at Wheeler for like an inning or two on uh-huh. short rest. Oh man! You know, you're throwing Syndergaard, Falter, every you know Gibson. You're throwing everything at it. You're just trying to, yeah, I don't know. You just it, trying it better to not. It better not get it. if it gets there. That's terrible things have happened oh boy oh boy um you know there's part of there's a very small part of me that gets like morbidly excited at the thought of all the ways this just go spectacularly wrong there are so many ways that this could be weird and as we know (laughs) this team doesn't exactly take its foot off the gas when it has the chance to be weird you know, you you look at this. We have the 10-game road trip. We have a doubleheader right in the middle of it. We have an interleague series that was pushed back to the very end of the year because of the lockout that now might hold the fate, the postseason fate of this team in its hands. We have a pitching situation where every time a starter takes them out, it's like necessary for them to get six complete innings minimum almost, except in cases where we know it's going to be thrown together and cobbled together. Just because but, but also, the bullpen has been used yeah, so much, but but that again, but this speaks to I think them in a short series. Like their their best pitchers are, are are doing okay right now. They're in good shape. Yes, and that's why you look at like it's all the holes in the middle, right? Like you know the rest of the season they have ten games left, and how many are going to be started by Wheeler, Nola, Suarez? It's going to be uh, six, mm-hmm. right? Six out of ten. And you feel good in those games yes. if, if you if you have to, you know, if, if they matter, especially those Houston games. But it's the other games where you're like, oh, man, like, how are they getting through these games? And it's a great question because I don't know how they're getting through those games started by Falter, Gibson, uh, Cindergaard in one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those guys aren't starting games in the playoffs. And once you get to the playoffs, like, right, man, you feel kind of good about what they have right now, especially right. with Heflin back there. You do like you kind of feel like in a short series, you're like, man. Like steal one of the first two games with Nolan Wheeler on the mound, and I don't know. Like it, 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 it looks okay. And then all of a sudden we go to Dodger Stadium and Kyle Gibson starting game one of the LDS. <laughs> right? Uh, I guess so. I mean, but that—that's yeah. That that echoes something that we've been talking about for a while now. That yes, it's a top-heavy team, 
but it is a little bit more equipped to actually reach the playoffs than, than the, these yeah. previous versions. And and that's the whole key, right? You get there and then you you need the stars to show up. Well, especially right. in and these I, really short series. Yeah, and I think I think now is now that that begins now. You know, it, it, sure. it's been great that they've gotten contributions from up and down this roster. Younger guys have come up. Um, minor league guys on minor league deals have come up and contributed. Mm-hmm. Guess what? There's 10 games left. This is the highest payroll in club history. It is time for their best players to be good, to 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 ride. You know, they need to ride their stars. The stars need to step up here, period. Uh, I mean, and I think if you look at it, it was a good weekend then in that case. Schwarber, Hoskins, and Harper had, had better Saturdays and Sundays, Harper especially. Mm-hmm. The bats looked better. Um, Schwarber had two more homers on Sunday. Hoskins has a bunch of extra base hits over the weekend. They, they need to carry this team. Like, it's been great that they've gotten these these unexpected contributions. It's time, though. You know, they built this team around these these high-paid players, these stars. Nick Castellanos is probably going to come back either Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, he's going to hit today at Wrigley. Uh, they got some time on the field for him on the off day. Uh, it's an unusual situation. You know, like he he didn't he didn't want a minor league rehab. Uh, he's never gone on a minor league rehab assignment in his career. This is only the third time he's been on the injured list in his career. Hmm. Um, he was adamant that he not play in the minor leagues, and I guess Why? the guy really hates Syracuse, New York, because that is where <laughs> Lehigh Iron, Pig, Iron Pigs are okay. uh, this week. That's not why, but he just he doesn't think it's val. He just doesn't think it's necessary, and okay. that's his right. Uh, the Phillies sure. wanted him to go on a rehab assignment. Rob Thompson was pretty open about it. And uh, Castellanos didn't want to. And in the end, Rob said it was, you know, we all were on the same page. We all agree. I, I don't think that's the case, but that's okay. Uh, Castellanos is going to come back. It might be Tuesday. It might be Wednesday. It depends on how he feels um, today when he hits uh, Wrigley in an empty Wrigley field. He's not going to play every day when he comes back. Um, and that'll be like a conditioning thing. Because, again, he didn't go on a rehab. Uh, he hasn't played for a while. And I remember, I mean, he barely played. He hasn't played for almost a month now. I mean, cause he mm-hmm. had the turf toe thing, right. you know, that, that kept him out of the whole diamondback series uh, at, uh, right at the end of August. And he came back for like one or two games in San Francisco. I forget how many exactly, but um, he really hasn't played very much at all in the last month. Uh, and so they also really like what the, what the guys have done in right field, you know, the three kind of three headed monster of yearling Mayton and Guthrie. That's been uh, great, man. Yeah. And Guthrie will stick on the roster. You know, I think Munoz would be the guy who goes down. Uh, when Castellanos is activated. Okay. Um, and, you know, I think those guys have earned the right to get some playing time every now and then if there's a good matchup for them. And they're not, you know, they owe it to, to Castellanos. Like, they need to see, right? I mean, they signed him for $100 million. And, and when he's Nick Castellanos, capital N, capital C, like, you know, he he's, he's a really important piece of a lineup maybe going back to Wrigley you know where he had a great half season you know sort of energizes him I don't know um they have to see though uh because it was yeah he actually had a better August you know before he got hurt Um, yeah it wasn't great but it was better Mm -hmm. uh but you know getting him you know how would you feel like let's say he has a great last week and has a Uh really solid playoffs like how Uh do you feel about him at the end of the season do you forget about everything else well yeah I mean I I do for the most part i i think the interesting thing about the interesting thing about castellanos and that whole situation is that there are a lot of guys now who have been playing right field (laughs) not just not just this month but just in general 
There have been a lot of guys out in right field, and some of them have taken to it pretty well. Some of them have not. Castellanos has, I'll say not right now. But a lot can change in a short amount of time, especially as it relates to, I'll call it hero ball. If there's a moment where Castellanos comes in and delivers a big hit, puts together a really good at bat, or if we really want to get weird, makes a great play in the outfield, Mm. save a couple of runs. Hey, you never know. Um, That could change some things. It would at the very least help get to the offseason feeling a little bit better about the whole thing. Now, I'm sure they've got decisions to make with who backs him up in right field or what the situation looks like with uh, who they would well, carry I on think the they're going to be way more aggressive with defense, with late game, late game replacement oh, yeah. with him. Oh, like, yeah. I mean, it's I'm talking to like seventh inning. Yeah. Like he's it, coming out of the game. The, the Pat Burrell situation just in, yes. in right field. Yes. Which, yes. which is great. I mean, that's that's why you have these guys on a roster, right? That's that's the way you want to build a roster for moments like this, where you can you can supplement the areas that are a little bit weaker when you need to. And that is a weaker and Nick Cassiano's defense is a weaker area. But now they have a bench and they have a, a, the deeper parts of the roster where they can actually make up for that later in games, where hopefully the reason that he's in the lineup has produced a lead for them to defend. There you go. Yeah. That's if everything goes according to plan. Has everything gone according to plan? Hmm. No, not a lot of times. No. Um, but I, I, I like the position they're in, um, not just standings wise, but on the offensive side. They they're they're not like rolling over, you know. Even though they lost, um, even though they lost a couple of games uh, to the Braves on Saturday Sunday, they, they didn't give up when things looked like they could have gotten out of hand. Especially Saturday, they tried to call their way back in it. They were maybe a foot away from tying the game. You know, Sunday, Sunday Brian was Marsh what it was. To wear his sunglasses. Yeah, you know, and but they they still clawed they clawed a run back in the bottom half. They almost you know they almost came back there too. Like they didn't. A lot of that's on JT, who's just embodying every bit of life and and charisma on the field right now that this team needs. But they're they're not rolling over, and you can't count them out. You know, I thought that was the moment I thought things were a little bit different with this team, and I think it arrived around the time of the Angels series in June. I it sort of clicks in that you can't write this team off from any game that they're in because they've won ugly, sure, but they've also found ways to really make it feel like, yeah, they are still in this. Or, hey, wow, it's only a, it's only a two-run game. It's only a three-run game. You know, it hasn't felt it hasn't felt as insurmountable as it has in previous years when those small deficits just seemed like they were the end of the game, you know, almost feeling helpless when they were down a couple of runs. So that's good, and that's something you can't really quantify. But a lot of that is a credit to those younger guys that you're talking about when they've come up and they've delivered some of these big hits and these big moments. You know, that goes back to when Bryson Stott, I think, started to to at the very, very beginning of, of I guess breaking out of his of his early season slump, started putting together some big hits and then had a nice stretch up before this most recent offer. You know, it it it's soothing in a way to feel like even though those deficits are gonna come and it's not like they're gonna lead wire to wire in all of these games coming down the stretch here, it's nice to feel like when they are down that it truly isn't over until they've recorded that 27th out. I agree. And I think the season completely changed uh, Wednesday night against against Toronto. Mm-hmm. 
and if the Phillies exactly. do not win that game, <laughs> I I don't know what we're talking about today. Mm. I feel like we're talking about a team that is that is either tied or behind the Brewers. Uh, I mean, entirely I think the possible. entire I think the season. Maybe I'm maybe I'm I'm just being too hyperbolic here. I think the season was saved that night. I really do. I mean, if they don't win that game and you've lost six in a row and the Braves are coming in, man, like I, I and I've talked to guys in there who don't want to like they don't want to come out and say nobody's panicking, but they were like, Man, that was a big win. <laughs> like, man, we needed oh, sure. that. Like they really needed that. And it started with a real Muto home run, uh, a solo shot, and it just kind of gave him a little energy and it was huge. And uh Man, winning that game was was uh, it saved the season. I really do believe that. I can buy into that. I can absolutely buy into that. Look, you you've lost five straight. You've started a big homestand against two really good teams by <laughs> getting embarrassed. Really, that's that's what that was. Eighteen you know, giving, eleven. It, yeah, like that's. <laughs> and if you follow that up with another lifeless loss, if through seven plus innings of that game. They they continue to look bad. It's not like that yes. whole game they yes. were calling it. They were it didn't look good. No. Something just happened. Something clicked. Maybe they all finally realized that there is this sense of urgency. After after Guerrero hit that home run, you know, practically back to, you know, almost onto the scoreboard bleachers. You look at that and you're like, oh my God, here we go again. You can't help but feel like, wow. They really are just going to let it slip, aren't they? But tying back into what we were just saying a minute ago, there is that little sliver that they've earned, that little benefit of the doubt from the way they had been playing, that you couldn't fully rule them out of that game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some part of some part of hope in me was still alive in that game. And it, it, I, I get it's easy for me to say, and it flies in the face of you know the, the doom saying and the way we were, the majority of us were feeling at that moment after Guerrero homered but you couldn't count them out. You felt like there was still a chance that there was still ugh, just this little, this little thing that could happen that could keep them in. And lo and behold, they string together a nice little rally and get a couple of runs with two outs, even to prolong it. Or maybe it was just the one e- either way, the tying run score with two out. And then eventually they get to the 10th thing and Matt Veerling hits a 50 foot chop. And there you go. L- losing so- streak broke. They come back in and they, they take the next two. From Atlanta, including a one nothing game that I never thought they were going to win. Great game. I just <laughs> look when they, that was one nothing from the second inning on. And if you if you had all the faith in the world, even I as the most optimistic person in this bit right now, if you thought that score was going to stay one nothing for that whole game, you should have bet on it and retired and not have to worry about the rest of what's going on. Because I think what it was it the last time they did that to Atlanta, Aaron Harang was the pitcher. Something like that. Aaron Harang and Ken Giles combined. Aaron Harang and Ken Giles. Look. That was your tidbit. You you pulled that. It was. Thank you. There's so much about the way they're doing things that remains unusual, that remains weird. Even if it's just like a a one-nothing win in the box or anything. Oh, okay. That game was probably pretty tight. Oh, well. No. It's the feeling around all of it. It's just every, every little macro bit finds its way into each of these games to, to microcosmically encapsulate all of this. Uh, like the, 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 yeah. Thank you. Can, can we go back one last exercise here among about trusting yes. pitchers? Yes, yes. Rank yes. the rank these pitchers in order of most trusted to least trusted oh, for you right now. Man. Okay. okay. I'm going to give you, I'll give you 
I'll give you uh, four names. Four names. Okay. No, I'm going to give you five names. Five names. Oh, okay. Syndergaard, Falter, Gibson, Nelson, Brogdon. Wow. And I'm not, I'm not saying a starting role, just any role. Like, let's say you just need, yeah. you need three outs. Rank those guys in order of most trusted to least trusted. Um, right now, I'll go, I'll go in reverse order just to build suspense. Okay. Least trusted. Least trusted right now is Kyle Gibson. Um, okay. I, 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 I look stuff velocity wise got the swing and miss, you know, in this Atlanta game. Okay. Yeah. He, something about the, the command and, and he's missing pitches in bad spots at bad times. And that's something that could be corrected by coaching. He's, he's a veteran. You kind of hope that there's something that they can turn around pretty quickly, or at least maybe adjust either in game calling or what have you, that would help him avoid that. But the way he's throwing the ball right now and has all month, it's just, it's hard to trust that. I think fourth would probably be Noah Syndergaard just because he's allowing too much contact. Um, and in today's game with guys hitting the ball as hard as they do, just upping the odds of somebody smoking one or stringing a couple hits together leaves me feeling pretty bad. Third would be Nick Nelson. I like the fact that Nelson hasn't really allowed a ton of, you know, like hard contact. He, he gives up a couple of doubles every now and then, but he's only let up, I think, the one home run. The walks can be a little iffy. I, I still don't love him being in the middle of this pack, and and I think there's a gap between him and the next two. Uh, number two, number two would be Bailey Falter for me. I I think when he is right, there is something very calming about the way he throws because even though his stuff isn't overwhelming, it just induces a lot of bad contact or or it just confuses the hitters. So you've got him on the playoff roster. Um. Yes. I I, I think. You know, I, I, mean, I was going back to come up, you have to come up with 13 names. So, yeah, he, you know. right, right. And, and so number one would be Connor Brogdon, just because I've always loved the stuff and his his last outing really had me feeling good, even though it was in a blowout. I, I yeah. really like the way he was positioning things. He's got some of the best raw stuff in the in the whole bullpen. Obviously, Alvarado beats him, but I, I just have always loved Connor Brogdon's fastball changeup combo. So that that's the way I would go. Bailey Falter. <sighs> The playoff roster thing is interesting to me, and I actually <laughs> I, they, they have I thought, a need for they have a need for left. You know, they only, again they only have one left-handed so, reliever right now, so yeah, falters <sighs> on. But it's like, what do you, what, you know, let's say it's the sixth inning, and uh-huh. there's two lefties due up, and it's a the Phillies have a one-run lead. Uh-huh. Do you want Chris Devensky or Connor Brogdon or Bailey Falter? I, you know, I don't know. I mean. Yeah, it's an open-ended question, but I think the the reason I was I was so gun shy about including Brad Hand on the playoff roster anyway, even before he got hurt, I wasn't I wasn't really on board with that idea. I I I get the idea that you need, uh, I won't even say need, that you'd like to have multiple you know left-handed options. I get that, but boy, Brad Hand just wasn't doing it for me this whole year. It just he he couldn't. He couldn't ever seem to get over the hump where he had consecutive outings or three straight outings where it really seemed like he was in control, that he was throwing his slider where guys couldn't touch it and they were still swinging over it, that they weren't picking things up. The walks were up, the strikeouts were down. It just, it didn't work for me. And what I kept leaning back on was, okay, you probably have one of Falter or Suarez in the bullpen anyway, depending on when you were thinking about this. And it seemed Uh like, Ranger might not have been in the rotation. You probably have one of Falter or Suarez in there anyway. But 
if you have to fall back, me liking Connor Brogdon stuff the way I do, he has stuff that could play against lefties. He has the changeup that can fall away and, and a bit of cut on the fastball that can run in. It's not ideal. It's not what you necessarily would go to first. But if Alvarado is exhausted, as in just used, in the game, and you can't bring him out for that spot, I would have felt better about bringing, you know, a Connor Brogdon who was right and throwing right than Brad Hand. Look, pitcher handedness to me only matters if it actually gives the guy an advantage in that platoon. Brad Hand wasn't getting that advantage. No. You know, like Brogdon and even Nick Nelson had better numbers against lefties this year than Brad Hand did. So it's not just about what they throw with. It's about how they get the guys out. And Brogdon, to me, has the stuff to handle lefties, okay? He's not your first option, no. But he he's more trustworthy for me than Brad Hand was. That Right now, it's a moot point. But I think that yeah. just goes back to thinking about how they need to be thinking about assembling this roster. It's less about you know, handedness, whether it's it's a throwing hand or a batting hand, and how they might match up because every single out in this short series is going to be important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm looking at some of the numbers against the Cardinals, for example. Mm-hmm. Zach Eflin has, like, great career numbers against Nolan Arenado. Okay. Uh, and, you, and you maybe see him come in the middle of a game, and, and he's got really good numbers against Goldschmidt, too. Like, that, Interesting. Guys, those guys be batting back-to-back, back back, and Eflin's got great career numbers against both of them. Interesting. Like really, really good. I'm talking Goldschmidt is 2-for-12 uh, with four strikeouts. It's just two singles against yeah. Eflin, and Arenado is... Four for 17 with two doubles, uh, no walks, two strikeouts. Um, Interesting. Eflin, you know, if they face the Cardinals, Eflin's going to be facing uh, <laughs> Arenado and Goldschmidt. Sure um, sounds like it, and I'd be okay with that. I mean, I those tell, matchups I, aside. I can tell you who doesn't want to face the Braves, and, and he hasn't said this to me. I'm just like, I'm just, you know, kind of making this up. But, like, I don't think Kyle Schroeder ever wants to see Dylan Lee again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't either. Honestly, Dylan Lee is nasty. And like he, uh, every, I feel like every time we've, pl- they've played the Braves, Schwarber is now two for nine against Dylan Lee this year. And that's a left-handed reliever, nine at bats against a left-handed reliever in wow. one season. Uh, Lee has, has, it's four more bats than Lee has faced any other hitter this year. <laughs> two for nine. He's got a home run, but three strikeouts. And the, the, most of the at bats have just looked, you know, really, um, just unfair. So we saw him in half the games, man. Yeah, I'd be sick of half the too. games. Yeah, nine nine out of eighteen games. Kyle Schroeder faced Dylan Lee, a lefty reliever. That's amazing. I don't know. You know, I... well, who do you well who do you trust most out of that group? Like, what what or what is the what is the sense of you know? Where I want to see a little here? more Syndergaard here. Okay. Like I was kind of intrigued by like the two innings he gave him against the Blue Jays, which is the best lineup he's faced all year. Mm-hmm. You know, he's been facing just just terrible, terrible teams for, for the majority of this year. A bunch of Red Starts, Marlins, Nationals, like he, Pirates. They've really done a good job of, of hiding him, right, protecting him. Um, kind of want to see a little more of him as a reliever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm intrigued. Are you? I, I, uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> I like the idea of him in shorter <laughs> bursts than, than I do him starting. It, well, that's fair. Yeah. Nick Nelson, like yesterday, like had a, had a really good inning, you know, and it was kind of under the radar. I mean, like the rain delay ends and they need someone to pitch the sixth because they mm-hmm. didn't have Brogdon. They didn't want to use Devensky there in his first day with the team. Uh, and Nelson came in through like a nine pitch sixth inning and it was terrific. And it got them, you know, to the Alvarado 
you know, Robertson Dominguez bridge. And obviously that didn't play out the way they wanted it to, but it got sure. them there. Sure. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I don't trust any of them. That's, that's my short of it. I don't trust Brogdon. I don't trust Connor Brogdon. Yeah. I, I mean, it's fair. It's, it's recency. That's pushing them up for me. Like, yes, I've had the lingering. I, I like this guy thing going on here and it's a small bit of outings, you know, lately that's kind of helped propel him up for me. But when he first came back from the injured list, yeah, he didn't, he didn't look right. I, th- I think it's fair not to, not to There's fully seven pitchers him. on their roster that I would trust right now. And mm. it's not enough. No. And some of these guys, the other guys are going to have to, in the next 10 days are really going to have to, to prove something, you know, Bilotti, it's just not as good as it was. And he, you know, he's a solid middle reliever. That's what he is. And he's been thrown yeah. into bigger spots than that. And, and when he, and when he has, it hasn't always gone well. Um, yeah. Some of these guys could step up I and mean, they need, uh, they need Bailey Falter to, to really give him a good start Friday in DC. Uh, the last one wasn't very good against a good Braves team. Uh, and, and, and I wonder, you know, like the Braves his his his, his, his last two starts have been against the Braves. The first one in Atlanta was, was really solid. And it was the first time the Braves had ever faced him. And there really? was something to, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. They didn't see him last year. They hadn't seen him this year. Um, there was something to falter uh, about seeing him the first time. He's, it's difficult to pick up. He's different. Uh, fastball kind of jumps on you a little bit because of that extension. Then the second time you see him, it's typically goes worse for him. And we saw that with the Atlanta situation. So, if they do face the Cardinals, they haven't seen falter a lot. Like that's a, maybe that's a nice weapon to have, but um, he is limited. He's a fifth starter, like a fifth or sixth starter. He is limited. On a, on a slightly, on a slightly lighter note, just to, to change topics and think about this for a second. I want, I want to go back to JT because um, he's been a pretty consistent bright spot now uh, ever since the, the forced rest of the road Toronto series. And he is on the cusp of being the first 2020 catcher since Pudge Rodriguez. What does he need? Two more steals? Is the end right? of the 90s. He's got two more steals. He's got 18. And I'm just looking at Pudge's numbers right here. Do you know Pudge had 47 stolen base attempts? He was caught 12 times. Anyway. <laughs> sorry, 37. He was he stole 25, caught 12. Homered 35 times. Um, that would be the second time ever, or at least as far as play index will will let me yeah, go. So back in 1900. Ever. Yep. And he hasn't been caught. How how is he going to be perceived in, and I'll just use this one particular topic, how is he going to be perceived in MVP voting? Because he's not the winner. You get that. But the way he has completely turned his season around, not just to a pretty good level, but to potentially do something a catcher has only ever done one other time in a season, well, again, seeming to get stronger as the year has gone on. How is this going to be written about, talked about, viewed? I'll think just in terms of awards right now, but like what, what historical context can we ascribe to this situation right now? Here's my favorite JT stat, and there's a lot of them, but he has caught 108 and two-thirds innings more than the next closest catcher. 11 entire games? Roughly 108 innings, 12, 12 games, That's 12 lot. games. He has caught the equivalent of 12 more games than the next closest catcher. It is unbelievable. Like that is insane. And while shouldering that load, that workload, 
he has putting up a historical season. As you mentioned, he could be the only the second 2020 man catcher in baseball history. Uh, how will he be perceived in MVP voting? Probably not as high as he should be. Um, I, I do think voters like have an appreciation for the, the demands on a modern catcher and also, you know, will will reward him for that workload for, you know, going above and beyond and performing at such a high level while playing, you know, more than any other catcher in the sport. Mm-hmm. Seventh, eighth, I don't know. Is that where he finishes? Eighth? Okay. I don't, I I don't know all that. the guys in front of him. I mean, I have to look closer at, at uh, you know, all, all the players in front of him, but uh, somewhere around there, right? Is that fair? Eighth? Yeah, know. that sounds fair. Is, I in just, I, I, in uh, Fangraph's war, he's sixth. I know overall. that's just one, one way of measuring. Yeah, sixth overall in the National yeah. League. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> amazing, amazing season he's had. Really, right. I just, we're, we're getting, we're getting to the, we're getting to the point now where like the leaders, the, the clubhouse leaders, so to speak in these awards, you know, I'm guessing Paul Goldschmidt in the NL and I think Manny Aaron Schott, Judge man. in the NL. It's really, it's yeah. felt like it's been locked in for a long I know, time I know. and we're kind of forgetting about, you know, what some of these other guys are doing. Yeah. yeah. Machado has had a great season. Machado he has. has really had a great season. He's really turned it on out there. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, things are not all doom and gloom. Um, what's your we didn't get what's your number like how many wins do the phillies need? my number you know you know mine like i've been steadfastness like 88 is my number and i've st- i'm sticking to it like i think they just need five and five down the stretch here and maybe it won't be pretty you know maybe it gets maybe it's a tie situation where they're 88 and, 88 and they get in because they have the tiebreaker but um i think 88 is enough i don't think the brewers get the 88 yeah, I, I mean, I, I'll say I'll say one more just because I think they're capable of winning six out of these last ten, even with the the likelihood it feels like they drop two of three in Houston, no matter who Houston's throwing at them at that point, just feels like it because they have been beating up on bad teams because they need to feel the the urgency of the situation without pressing too much. You know, it's funny. I it, just a brief tangent last week. I, I wanted to see Gene Segura be the guy this past week. And he, in, instead of channeling some of that energy that you can tell he still has into like more production, it seemed like he's just pressing bad. Yeah, like he, he was taking some week. bad swings. He's, nah. he's, he's, he didn't have a good week, but that's the kind of thing they need to feel and channel properly. And I think it could result in six out of ten. So I'll say eighty-nine. I don't oh, yeah, think. They, yeah, I'm not saying. Yeah, I'm not saying. I, I, I'm not saying I don't think they're going to win more than five. I'm just saying, right. like, what does it take to get in? Like, I think it just needs eighty-eight. Right, right, right. I think they can win six on this trip. I think they win seven on this trip. They're yeah. playing bad teams, and the Astros have literally no incentive. They'll, they'll, you know, their starting pitchers will go two innings or something as a tune-up. Like they literally have no incentive. They're playing, you know, the last thing they want is somebody to get hurt. Sure, sure. I look, I, I. I completely get that. I think the cards are still, you know, favoring the Phillies right now. I am, I am worried about, I'm worried about Milwaukee making it matter with this Miami series that they have, because they have the two with the Cardinals. And if they're still within, you know, if they're still within a game and a half, by the time that Miami series rolls around and the Phillies are, are playing the nationals, I just, that like they're both playing bad teams, but something about those four gamers just has a strange feeling to me. Maybe it's the double header in the middle of the Washington series that makes me feel like 
something could go awry there or that would be the start of something strange. I have my eye on October 1st. I'll just put it that way. It's Where just are we October 1st. What's that? Is that that's Saturday? That, that's Washington. Oh, that's Washington. That's Washington. I don't even know the dates anymore. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that that's the doubleheader. So I'm talking about gotcha, the doubleheader. Gotcha, gotcha. They play the two games. Milwaukee will be playing their their third game against Miami. I just I feel like Milwaukee takes those games, three of them at least, and continues to make it interesting. So I would I would really, I would really like to see. They're gonna 89. get Alcantara. Yeah, they're gonna get Alcantara. He's pitching for a Cy Young. He's highly motivated. I, you know yeah, what I mean. I, I get that. I get that. Yeah. But also, his last start of the year, are they really going to push him that well, hard? They might. No, they will. I think because they want yeah. to win Cy Young. Trust okay. me. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. So that could that could be the one. That's that's yeah. a good candidate for one to drop. But hey. I don't. They want I don't know, man. Cy Young. Like they've been like having a, an aggressive campaign with the writers. The team has the Marlins. That's interesting. Yeah. They they'll push him. They want him to win. Okay. He wants to win. All right. Well, yeah. I mean, good for him. He's had a fantastic year. He probably he he deserves win. to win. Yeah. But yeah, I I, I want eighty nine. I, I think eighty nine is the number, and uh, I think Milwaukee is going to continue to make us sweat it out a little bit. I hope they prove me wrong. <laughs> that's that's all I got right now. Like I, I just have to hope that they 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 do fall apart. <laughs> I, I do. That's that's what we're at right now, because the Phillies have some work to do, but they need that help. They could use that help. They don't need that help. They're not trailing. Can't wait to see what happens uh, in between now and the next time we talk. Again, uh, <laughs> I feel like this is how we had every episode. We're like, oh boy, what's it going to be like this time next week? I, I say honest, I've never, I've never, I mean, this is the first time since 1967 that they're finishing with like a 10 game trip on the road. And that 1967 uh-huh. team was, you know, was irrelevant. Um, the stakes weren't, you know, nearly as high as they are for this, for this series and for this trip. And, uh, I don't know. Like I, I just, I'm fascinated to see um, how these guys handle it, how this trip unfolds. There, there's just so much to it. I mean, we even talk about you know the manager's fate. I mean, I feel like uh, if, if you know rightly or wrongly, Rob Thompson's future is 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 tied to to this to this trip. Uh, I mean, if they mm. if they don't get in, if they collapse, if they somehow don't get in, uh, I don't know. Like he's, he's he's probably not back, which doesn't seem fair, but. Um, man i don't know uh yeah i i i can't wait to see how the trip goes um i can't wait to see how heavy my suitcase is uh when i bring it to the <laughs> airport tomorrow morning probably gonna pack a second bag uh to bring with me uh, because i don't know what i'm packing for and this is gonna be crazy so so we we got a few things riding on this this road trip not least of which is is matt's baggage fees <laughs> <laughs> the athletic yeah. will be yes we'll be paying it <laughs> Get that New York Times expense money. Uh, Another week down. Week and a half left to go. This is it. This is what these guys get paid for. And we'll see how the mood is this time next week. So for the Athletic Philadelphia's Matt Gelb, once again, I am Paul Boyer. Thanks so much for listening. Go Phils. Here we go. Hold on tight. Hold on tight.